Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined by Jake McGee. Jake, how are you doing, pal? I'm not too bad at all, my friend. How are we? I'm very well, actually. Very well. Um, now, I was in Edinburgh. Uh, I travelled down on Monday. Uh, and then last uh, on Tuesday night... I went to see Bruce Springsteen at Hamden, at, at uh, Murrayfield in Edinburgh. The, man. the boss, the man, the myth, the legend, and it was without a doubt the best gig I have ever been to. No second place. The only second place was Bruce Springsteen at Hamden, which in fact was seven years ago today. And unbeknownst to me at the time when I was at that gig, my future wife was also at that gig. So there you are. Funny how these things work out. Yes, and there we were. We were both there uh, at Murrayfield on Tuesday night. For anyone, any one of our listeners who was there, um, you know how good it was. It was absolutely amazing. He played two and a half hours non-stop. And when I say non-stop, literally no gap between songs. Finish a song and then one, two, three, four, straight into the next one. Um, and then after about two and a half hours, and he played quite a few of his new ones. I didn't know all the songs, but they were still great songs. And the E Street Band is just a joy to listen to anyway. Um, but then I was about two and a half hours in, and they, you know, he's like getting the band on, they're all doing bows and stuff. And I was like, that's a bit short for a for a Springsteen concert. But then the man's 73 years old, you know, he's, he's an old guy. Um, but then he says, do you want some more? And of course, everyone's like, of course you want more. And he played another 35 minutes, non-stop, and it was all the hits. He had Thunder Road and Born to Run and Glory Days, Dancing in the Dark. I know it's one of your favourites. Um, and he had, he played Born in the USA. It was, ju- it was relentless, Jake. An incredible gig. And I have to say, it was the best gig I've ever been to. So before we start talking about the NFL, this is an NFL podcast, before we start talking about it, because there wasn't really a lot of news around the league, um, what's the best gig you've ever been to? Putting you on the spot right away. What's the best gig that you've ever been to? Or if you can't choose, what's the two best you've been to? Best gig I've ever been to. I've been to been to a few. Mm-hmm. Been to. I'd have to say maybe because it was one of the the last ones, and I was uh, still quite a young boy. It was Oasis. I'd see Oasis oh, before right. they disbanded mm-hmm. um, and went their separate ways um, but my most, most recent one Post Malone was very good but I, the, the true answer is that next month I'm going to see Ben Howard and if anyone knows anything about me it's that I am the Ben Howard fan so that will be my best I'm sure I'm sure it will I'm sure it will it's great when you can when you can see someone that you really you know you love their music you absolutely love the music and and the, the person themselves it, it can't beat it so when is when is it you're going to see ben howard uh in middle of july in glasgow and i'll tell you one of the first songs i fell in love with ben howard is a cover of dance in the dark and as you know and you alluded to it's it's one of my favorite songs of all time um you always play it for me when when you're singing and, uh, yeah ben howard has a cover on youtube and I would like to, I think I'm about 33% of all the views on that video. Quite right, quite right. It's a fantastic song. Uh, I, I'm going to hold my hands up. I've not heard a lot of Ben Howard, um, but I have liked what I've heard. So there we go. That's all good. Uh, so there we are, Jake. Now, as I said earlier, it is an NFL podcast, 
But not an awful lot's been going on the past week. So do you have anything, any news for us that's uh, stuff going on around the NFL this week? Well, it was a very quiet week. We would probably have nothing. We'd be scraping the barrel if it wasn't for one kind of major turning point in the week. We're, we're getting to June the 1st and there's going to be some cuts um, in the coming days, I think, you know, post June 1st so that teams save on app space and all that good financial stuff. But the Cardinals took the strange and un- bit, bit of a surprising move to cut DeAndre or release DeAndre Hopkins before June the 1st, taking the full 22.6 million cap hit. I mean, that's that's eating, eating some. And it feels like with, with Kyler Murray out for probably half a season, it feels like they're just in full tank mode. It's just a very bizarre decision. They were looking to trade him, obviously weren't getting the offers they were looking for, but even a fifth is better than releasing your, your star wide receiver and maybe a team takes on some of that money. I mean, it's a very strange decision. What do you think about that? I, when I heard about it, it was from you that I heard about it on, on, on Twitter and I I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, there's no way, there's no way they've just released him. And then I was, you know, trolling through the internet trying to find why they'd done this and I couldn't see any legitimate reason for them to release DeAndre Hopkins because do you remember it would be probably a couple of months ago now we did have a piece on DeAndre Hopkins when the rumors were around that he might get traded mm-hmm. and um, I'd you know I'd said to you where do you want him to go uh, other than the Saints, obviously, and and for me it was a, more a case of where do I not want to go? The AFC West. I was like, you know, stay in Arizona, do what you want. Um, I'm shocked, literally shocked that it has taken this turn. And now, by f- who is? Let's not kid ourselves on here. By far and away, the best wide receiver on the Cardinals. I mean, I don't think. Yeah. I, you know, sec. You know, with all due deference to the other pass catchers they have in Arizona, DeAndre Hopkins was your number one by a mile. And you just, you release him. As you say, not even... You couldn't get a third-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Because well, we said this before, when, when they did the trade, and it was like a second-rounder and swapping fifths with the Texans for DeAndre Hopkins. Meanwhile, Stefan Diggs had gone to Buffalo for two firsts. Um, and you think, what's why is DeAndre Hopkins not valued so much? And for him to be released pre June first, as you've already said, that I mean, that's insanity, isn't it? I mean, am I missing something here? I I couldn't find anything. I was looking to see, as I said, if there was something, you know, like some bad rumblings going on between DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals. If there was any. We didn't see Ian Rappaport would come out with something and nothing. It's just a case of John Hopkins has been released. And and that's it. So I, I, I don't know. I can't add anything to it because I'm as flummoxed as anyone. And if I were a Cardinals fan, I'd be raging right now. Absolutely fuming with uh, with this organization. It does appear, and I, I don't really believe in tanking, as you know. Um, but I mean, it's hard to argue when you just let DeAndre Hopkins walk out the door for nothing at all. 
um, have you seen or heard anything else about this that makes you think that there was a legitimate reason for him being him being uh, sorry the the Cardinals moving on from him? I mean, they were if, from all accounts even before the draft they were always moving on from him. It was uh, an unhappy marriage. Obviously, Kyle Murray's injured for a lot of the season as well, and he, Hopkins knows he's kind of in the the peak of his career. And he's looking to to go to a challenger. But we murdered, and, and rightly so, I stand by it, murdered the Cowboys for kind of Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. and it was like a, a fifth, and I was like, oh my God, that's terrible value. It's like, well, at least I got something. I mean, Deion Hopkins is better than Amari Cooper, and now, like you say, the Cardinals are left with Marquise Brown, no offense, you know, not lighting up the world, yeah. and Rondell Moore. Uh, it's like, it's, you know, it, it was a good room when you have Deion Hopkins as your wide receiver one, when you don't have DeAndre Hopkins as a you know, wide receiver one, that's not a great room. See, that's the thing. Because he's so good at the position, he'll elevate any wide receiver room. And then the other guys, as you say, you know, like uh, Moore there, looks like a solid number two or number three receiver. You're like, oh, he's, a, he's a good receiver as a number two or number three. He's not a number one receiver. And you had a number one receiver. And now he's gone, so you're thinking... I don't know. And you're right. There was rumblings going on for some time, but then, you know, he signed with them. It's over. DeAndre Hopkins is staying in Arizona. And now he's out the door. And that Amari Cooper trade looks fantastic in comparison. I just feel for the Cardinals fans because you're kind of left thinking, okay, so are we just writing off this year? Are we, you know, are we just going to release Hopkins, absolutely tank, and then just try and get Harrison Jr. next year, like, is that what, because they, they, you know, most teams who are tank, you know, you suck for luck, you know, you're trying to get the the best quarterback available. They, in theory, have their quarterback. So tanking, again, wouldn't make too much sense because, well, you don't necessarily want a quarterback. I mean, you can tank, get the number one pick and get a fortune from another team that does need a quarterback, I suppose. But But it's a very odd position for them to be in this year. It is. And, and, you know, so... However many years ago it is now, how long's Kyler been in the league? Is this is this his fourth year he's coming into now? Third, I think so. I think this is his fourth. This is going into his fourth. He was yeah. drafted in two thousand nineteen. Nineteen. So you had nineteen, uh, twenty, twenty-one. This is twenty. Oh, hang on, nineteen. Two thousand nineteen. So you got twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. This is year five for Kyler Murray. It. I. I, I can't see that the Cardinals think. They're done with him. They might. Do you know what? They might be, no, we're out in this guy. We're out in Kyler. So uh, we'll just get rid of everything we've got. But the thing is, if they were tanking, if that's what they were going to do, then they would be trying to get as much draft capital for DeAndre Hopkins as possible. Because that's what tanking teams should be doing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're trying to completely rebuild. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm the, the general manager of the Cardinals... Um, and you, you're the GM of the Saints, and I said, hey, do you want DeAndre Hopkins? We'll come to you for a song. How about a third rounder and a sixth rounder for DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, it, you'd, you'd bite my hand off for that. A third and a six for DeAndre Hopkins? Of course. No, no team wouldn't. You couldn't even get one pick. I, I don't believe, I don't for one second believe they didn't have any suitors and couldn't get a draft pick for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't believe that well, could happen. 
No, they're certainly invested in Kyle Murray. I mean, they just gave him a 230 and a bit million yeah. contract extension, 160 of that being guaranteed. It, it just feels to me, maybe not tanking, it just kind of feels like they're taking a gap year. They just said, listen, we're going to suck this year. We're, instead of a post-June one where we may take, I think they'd end up like splitting it between the two years. They're going to say, we're just going to take the full hit this year. We're going to just do whatever we have to do, roll out the team. If we get six, seven wins, happy days. Um, and then next year, we'll have a fully fit Calamari. We'll attack that season. Like say, as a, if I was a Cardinals fan, I would feel a bit lost this year. Be like, okay, we just kind of yeah. along for the ride this year. Uh, they, they must be feeling that. They have to be. But but the point remains, you you would stock up on draft capital. That's if you were going to rebuild. If you said, listen, this year's a you know complete wash. It's nothing. Next year we're going to do some drafting, uh, and the year after, so a two year plan. You would be you'd be stockpiling draft picks, and if, even if they were third, fourth, fifth, sixth round draft picks, you would be stockpiling them so that you can trade up later. Because teams know the value of these picks. It's not so much the players you're getting at, in the fifth round, but it's a fact that if, hey, I've got three fifth round picks this year, I can trade those three picks and my, you know, third round pick to go into the second round or, or, or something along those lines because then other teams know they can do the same. They can move these picks around. We, we saw it at the draft. It was like, what was it, 23 trades in the first round? And a lot of those trades involved lower picks, you know? Um, so they were like, moving from 10th to 7th, you, you're obviously swapping first-round picks, plus you're getting your third-round pick and next year's third-round pick. And, and things like that, just to move up a couple of spots. Um, I, I can't remember what year Arch Manning is coming into the league. I don't know which one it is. I think he's a freshman, so I think we've got a few. Uh, it's already got four years before Arch Manning comes in. Is that correct? Maybe three. I don't. I don't three know how it years. works. Is it maybe three? So if I'm on a team that is struggling at the quarterback position right now, I'm. I w- without actually seeing it, I am saying, let's just suck for two years. Let's just build up. Let's trade away players they don't have to be our best players but let's trade away players who might have a couple of years left and we can get a low level draft pick and then we can swap that for a, for another player with another draft pick and just keep stockpiling so that when arch manning comes around if you don't have the number one pick you're going i'm giving you three first rounders 12 second rounders <laughs> you're getting all the third rounders the next three years and because you've got those picks to train that's what i would be doing i mean no it's insane but and your fans would never forgive you. Well, they might actually, have, but not if Archer Manning turns out to be rubbish, you know. I don't think he's going to, but he might. We don't know. That maybe, he might. Maybe 10 years from now, he'll be the subject of a draft day fail. <gasps> Could you imagine? Could you imagine Could that? Oh. I think one final kind of to, to tie up this one with the, the Cardinals, the way... We mentioned a couple of weeks back the the state of the NFC, but even more so the state of the NFC West. You think you've got the 49ers with oh they've got three great uh, great quarterbacks and well Jimmy G's and on the Raiders possibly depending on if he can pass a physical. Yeah. You've got Trey Lance with uh, was it Tommy John surgery his elbow yeah or was his, his no was his his ankle 
Uh, Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Yeah, he, he's injured. He I know that. Ruined his leg. He's yeah, injured. he ruined his leg, and you've got Brock Purdy with a, a knackered arm. I think he is. So yes. you've got possibly Sam Darnold rocking up. So the the powerhouse 49ers, even with such a great team, you know, aren't aren't uh, unbeatable. You've got the Rams in basically full rebound. <laughs> like re- <laughs> they've gone. Um, you know, we said f them picks. We could use a couple because we've just got rid of half our team. True. And you've got the Seahawks who are counting on Geno Smith, who's had one good year in, what, 10, to redo and, you know, yeah. carry on on the trajectory. And, and improve, I mean, West and improve yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, Geno played really well last year, but he played well for Geno. If that had been a season from uh, Josh Allen, that would have been a, not a good season for Josh Allen. It was good for Geno. It wasn't good for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> it just wasn't. They're hoping he, he has to improve this year. You're absolutely right. The NFC the NFC is a state at the moment. And the NFC West might be the worst. It might be the worst division in the entire league. Um, it's, the South might have something to say about that. The South might have something to say. But I don't want to, I don't <laughs> want to be dissing, dissing your, your team when you're here, Jake. Listen, uh, when I'm on with Dave another time, I'll be just slagging the South stupid <laughs> and seeing how great the NFC West is. So don't worry about that. Um, but, I mean, the West, it is in a state because the Fortuners have no quarterbacks. Brock Purdy might start throwing this week. He might. That's what you want to hear from your quarterback. I might yeah. be able to throw the ball. I might that. be able to throw nice. this week. And you're like, what? And what about the other quarterback? He's knackered. If he if he plays at all this season, it'll be the second half of the season. Trey Lance. What about our other? Well, we got rid of him, Jimmy G. We brought in Sam Darnold. <laughs> Sam Darnold. He can throw a he can throw a spiral. They're really gushing over Sam Darnold. Like, come on, we've we've had this. You know, we've we've been through we've, this. We've okay, seen, let's we've seen come, Sam Darnold. Let's stop. I know we've we've seen Sam Darnold. We know what he can do, and more importantly, we know what he can't do. Win games. Unfortunately, Sam. Um, getting back to the DeAndre Hopkins thing for a, for a small second I know we've not really left it we're still talking about this with the, the <laughs> NFC West but um, everyone of course now is going to be talking about the New England Patriots because Bill Belichick has been gushing over DeAndre Hopkins for years he loves DeAndre Hopkins thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread um, so that is a nice wee segue to the New England Patriots, Jake. And what's been happening with the New England Patriots this offseason? Well, back up to their usual tricks. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. The uh, <laughs> Patriots are losing two days of voluntary organized team activities or OTAs mm-hmm. due to a violation of off-season rules. So of I, course, that, yeah. they've not disclosed what, but I always appreciate that the Patriots are willing to push the boundaries and quite often overstep the boundaries in the word of science and to see what you can and can't get away with. Yeah, uh, to quote uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., discovery requires experimentation. It's not very nice (laughs) for the people being experimented on. I like (laughs) is exactly what Bill Belichick is doing. Let's experiment on other teams and players and stuff like that. Maybe Maybe that's why DeAndre Hopkins was released like Bill Belichick's got some dart on the Cardinals, you know. It's like if you don't release him, I'm, I'm releasing the dart. I could be. I wouldn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't surprise you. Honestly, that that sounds like it's could be very true. 
<laughs> just sounds right. It, it sounds ridiculous, but very plausible at the same time. We're like, yeah, that could that could absolutely happen. So they've uh, they've been they've been doing things that they shouldn't have been doing, and they've been fined two days uh, OTAs. OTAs, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. so hardly it, it can't be you know as bad as it previously was. I don't think there's anything being deflated or anything being spied on. Um, maybe they've they've learned to lessen lessen their their crimes, but again, the the commissioner must be like, "Not you, Bill." Again, come on, <laughs> come on, Mister Craft, we've been here. Come on, uh, honestly, like Roger Goodell must be so sick every time you hear the New England Patriots. Like, no, my God, what's they done this time? Twenty years I've been going through this. What's happening? Oh my word! So yeah, there you go. That's that's the New England Patriots. Now there wasn't much else happening, Jake. Was there? It's been pretty quiet other than that. Just your your Broncos finally signing a kicker, seeing as you exiled your your legendary <sighs> kicker to the Jaguars. We did. So you've picked up the great Elliot Fry, everybody's favorite Fry, Elliot. I thought like, I thought Elliot Fry was the guy from Futurama. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, did, I don't know. It's Fry. My, Wait, yeah, it's his Fry. It's Fry. Um, Elliot Fry. Let me give me a moment, and I will look up Elliot Fry. Yeah, do, uh, how do we spell it's not Fry? F R Y. Just like oh, like just you like, would. like a frying pan. All right. It's All not. Right. It's not Jake Elliot to the kicker. It's it's not Fry from Future Armor. It's just Elliot Fry. Elliot Fry. Uh, his middle name's Goring. Oh, um, so I'm not going to mention anything about that. <laughs> but that's his middle name, Elliot Goring Fry, kicker, six foot, hundred and seventy pounds in weight. He played twenty twenty with Falcons, one game. Uh, he made one field goal at a one. He missed one hundred percent, hundred percent. But he did miss an extra point, fifty percent oh. on extra points. He was one at two. 2021, he played for two teams, uh, Cincinnati, a one game, one of one of field goals, 100%. Oh, 100% still. Yeah, one on field goals and one on one on extra points. So, so I mean, good. Tell me you've signed a kicker who's never missed their field goal in the NFL. And Kansas City played one game with Kansas City. Oh, he went, he, went, oh, he went three of two. He went three of oh, two. Three of two. Goals. He went. He, he uh, scored oh, sorry, three from two. sorry, sorry. Three, three of four. I beg your pardon. Oh, three I of. This man was the, he, the he most kicked, elite kicker I've ever heard. Of. Three field goals and two attempts. Like what? Sorry, four of three. Three of four. Oh my god! Stop oh my it. god! This guy's amazing. Three of four. Um, and he went three of four next to points as well. So his career stats. Uh, he's five of six in field goals. Eighty-three point three percent. He's five of seven. On, on extra points. He's missed more extra points than he has field goals. Well, the good news is, is the Broncos don't really score many touchdowns, so he will be kicking more field goals than extra points. Wow. 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 Don't think Jeff, I wouldn't forget. Get those claws back in there. Oh, my <laughs> word. Um, yeah, Broncos have signed Elliot trying to compete for the kicker job. So there you well, go. Well, he's not competing against anyone at the moment. He's the only one on the depth chart. Um. Yeah, he is. I've still got. He might still lose the battle. Might still lose the battle. Well, listen. Do you remember last year it was the Jaguars? Yes, yes, it was. And they they changed kicker every week for about a month, 
Um, we, we, we started taking bets on who was actually going to be the kickers. And I think it was Riley Patterson ended up being the kicker, who wasn't on it. When we were placing the bets, he wasn't even on the team. Yeah, he wasn't um, even a, a, an option. And he's now gone, of course, and has been replaced with Brandon McManus. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So uh, Elliot Fry, best of luck to you, young man. I I hope you do well. Um, do you know he's he's I'm saying young. He's 28. He's older than me. He's 20. He's 28 and a half. You only came into the league in 2020. Good grief! What's going on here? But then kickers complain to their 40s. No problem at all. No problem. You get a good 15 years out of this guy. So there you go. That's Elliot Fry. So, Jake, what we're going to do is now we're going to move on. And we're going to move on to our next segment, which is... Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fails. Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fails. We love Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fails. And today, we're going back to the 1992 NFL Draft. Now... The 1992 NFL Draft was notable for two reasons. The first is that it was generally considered one of the worst in history. <laughs> it's the only draft since Good 19... Sir. Good sir. The only draft since 1984. So 1984 happened. It's the only one since then to produce zero Hall of Famers. Not one. But it was notable for another reason. The Indianapolis Colts held the first two overall picks. With pick number one, they took defensive end Steve Emptman. With pick number two, they took linebacker Quentin Corriott. Do you recognize either of those names? Obviously, household names. Household names. So, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of details on these two players, and then we're going to talk about their NFL career. So, Steve Emptman. Um, he went to the University of Washington in Seattle. Um, redshirted in 1988, became a star in his sophomore season in 1990. They went 10-2 and won the Rose Bowl for the first time in nine years. He was considered the best player on the entire squad. Uh, 1991, um, they were an undefeated national championship team. He was an All-American. He won the Outland Trophy, the Lombardi Award, and was the Bill Willis Award winner. I don't know what that one is. The Bill Willis Award winner. I'll need to look it up. And he was the UPI Lineman of the Year. He was also Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year during his junior season of 1991, and he finished fourth in the ballot for the Heisman Trophy. He finished the 1991 season in college, 62 tackles, 20 and a half tackles for loss. Loss, and he was voted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2006. So, as you can imagine, slam dunk. Home run. Home oh, run. Absolute home run. Now, Entman, he decided to forgo his senior year and declared himself eligible for the 1992 NFL draft. Six foot four, 290 pounds. That's 130 kilograms in real money. You know, that that's that's heavy. Um and I see six foot four. First overall pick taken by the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Now we're then going to go to Quentin Corriott. So Quentin Corriott, um he actually went to Texas AM, 
uh, but he didn't play in his first two years, something to do with failing to meet requirements of something called Proposition 48. I don't know what that is, but he was playing on a scholarship at Texas A&M. Uh, as a junior, he became a starter inside linebacker. He posted 92 tackles, 3 sacks, 18 pressures and 2 fumble recoveries. Uh, he received SWC Newcomer of the Year honours, uh, contributing to the defence which ranked first in the entire nation. He was the centrepiece of an outstanding defensive unit, which was nicknamed the Wrecking Crew. Uh, as a senior, he registered 92 tackles, uh, which was second on the team, 4.5 sacks, 11 tackles for loss, 3 passes defence, 1 forced fumble and 1 fumble recovery. Um, he gained fame in nationally televised game by knocking out Texas Christian University wide receiver Kyle McPherson with a ferocious hit on a pass over the middle, breaking McPherson's jaw in three places. Ouch. Uh, ESPN named it the hit of the year, and he was second team All-American, All-SWC, and SWC Defensive Player of the Year in the 1992 Cotton Bowl Classic. Uh, they lost 10-2 against Florida State University, um, and, and Coriat produced the only points by scoring a safety. Uh, he also had 15 tackles, three tackles for loss, and that's safety in that game. And in 2009, he was inducted into the Texas A&M Athletic Hall of Fame, and 2018, the Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame. So, both of these guys, you want to beef up your defense? That's what you want to do? You take Steve Entman, defensive end number one overall, and you take a linebacker, Quentin Corriott, number two overall. So, he had the first two picks in the draft. Unfortunately for the Colts, it didn't really work out for them because Steve Entman, the number one overall pick, played three years with the Colts, 92, 93 and 94. In that time, he registered 24 tackles and five sacks. He then went to Miami, played there for two years and played one year in Washington. He was out of the league by 1998. His uh, overall career statistics, uh, 50 games played, he had 82 tackles, um, 8 sacks, 2 forced fumbles, 3 fumble recoveries. For a number 1 overall pick, that's pretty bad. Pretty bad. He was injured a lot. Um, he played the majority of his games at AstroTurf, obviously because he played in Indianapolis. Um, and each of his first three seasons with the Colts, he finished the year on the injured reserve list. He never played more than 9 games for the Colts in a season, and that was in his rookie year. Um, in that year, he blew out his uh, left knee against the Miami Dolphins. The following season, he tore his patellar tendon in his right knee. Uh, no, no NFL player had ever returned from that injury. But in 1994, he came back um, and, you know, came back to play. Uh, and he played against the team that he'd grown up following, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and he actually recorded a five-yard tackle for loss in the very first play of the game. However, in the second quarter, he ruptured a disc in his neck. This guy was just plagued by injuries, and as I say, he was out of the, out of the NFL uh, following the 1997 season at the age of 27. So a bit of a shame for Steve Emptman. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, you, you can't account for injuries. Um, he was a slam dunk to didn't work out, too many injuries, and of course didn't work out for the Colts. But no fear, because they had the number two overall pick. And as I say, with that one, they took Quentin Corriott, and he actually played from 1992 until 1997 
with the Colts. Um, and then he played one year in Dallas. His numbers don't look too bad, tackles-wise. He played 82 games. He ended up with 339 tackles, 120 assists, eight and a half sacks, four forced fumbles for a number two overall pick. So when in his rookie year, he was the starter at left inside linebacker. They were playing 3-4 defense at the time. Um, but then on October 27th, he was placed in the injured reserve list with a broken left wrist in game seven against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, in 1993, they'd moved to a 4-3 defense and he was middle linebacker. Tallied 150 tackles leading the team, one sack, one forced fumble. Uh, and then in 1994, he was moved to outside linebacker again, where he had 141 tackles. So, you know, he was, he was, he was picking up the tackles. One sack, two quarterback pressures in the entire year. That's not great from your linebacker. In 1995, he was moved to right outside linebacker um, and he had another 163 tackles. So again, plenty of tackles, but just two and a half sacks. And then, he, as I say, he, he moved around a bit and he was out of the league uh, after 1998, uh, sorry, 1999, one year with Dallas, where he played in four games and he had one tackle, zero sacks. It just didn't work in his entire career, as I say, eight and a half sacks. Uh, he did have four forced fumbles, 339 tackles. For a second overall pick, that's not great. Also marred by injuries for the Colts to pick first and second overall and get that kind of production out of those players. You have to say that's pretty awful for the Colts. But then, as I started at the beginning by saying, in 1992, Nobody was picking Hall of Famers because there wasn't a single one. Some notable players who also went in the first round of the 1992 draft. Um, Sean Gilbert for the Rams, defensive tackle. Desmond Howard, wide receiver for the, the Washington Redacted, actually um, went to Green Bay and took a, a kickoff back for a, for a touchdown in that game. Or a punt back for a touchdown, I should say. Um, cornerbacks, Terrell Buckley for the Packers, Troy Vincent for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you had a uh, Marco Coleman, also from the Dolphins that year. Chester McLaughlin to Los Angeles Raiders. They all made Pro Bowls. Dale Carter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but really, nothing great. And the one thing that really stood out to me was the serious lack of quarterbacks in this draft. Now, obviously, we've said the Colts they went for two defensive players, first and second overall. You think, why would you not, you know, look even look to get a quarterback? The number one quarterback selected was David Klingler by the Cincinnati Bengals, sixth overall. And he was the only quarterback selected right up until the Denver Broncos at number 25 took Tommy Maddox. So although this episode is about the Colts drafting first and second overall uh, and just not coming up with any sort of production for it, you could literally look at the 1992 draft and see every single one of these teams failed in this one because not one player made it to the Hall of Fame and very few even made a Pro Bowl. And that is this week's edition of Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fails. Well, I'd like to say it's a very poor draft, but oh. I'm, not, I'm not letting the Colts off that easy. I mean, you pick the, the top two, you got your, you got your piggy a bunch twice. Well, it may not have been a good draft, but the next three picks all made at least one Pro Bowl. Five of the next six picks made a, a Pro Bowl. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, Six or seven of the next ten made the Pro Bowl. So they, it may not have been a great draft. There may not have been any Hall of Fame talent out there, but there was certainly better talent than uh, what the Colts ended up on. At least some yeah. of these other players and made Pro Bowls. Both Steve Entman and Quentin Corriott went out in games against Miami in the first season. Both players. And the Miami Dolphins drafted um, Troy Vincent, cornerback, made a Pro Bowl. And Marco Coleman, linebacker, made a Pro Bowl. They they had two picks in the first round. And they drafted two Pro Bowlers. So the, the Dolphins were really sticking into the Colts that year. Um, they, they, they were in the AFC East at the time. They were division rivals at the time. So, um, yeah, it's it's just, you, you think, oh my goodness, we've got the, far, the top two players to pick from in the entire country. They whiffed on both of them. Neither of those guys made a single Pro Bowl. The, the gift that keeps on giving this draft, I mean, we've had a at least a random start, if not um, some, uh, a whole feature on Desmond Howard before. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now we're revisiting and looking at the, the Colts having a, a home run first overall pick in Steve Ekman, um, which didn't obviously work out. And then not only that, having a second overall pick, don't fear and... and Managing to, to get that wrong or, or not hit a home run on that as well, it's, it's not great. Hopefully the, the Texans who went, what, 1-3 and three this year, hopefully they have uh, better luck. Well, you'd like to think so. Uh, interestingly, quarterback Brad Johnson drafted by the Vikings in the ninth round. He's got a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> Which he got with the Buccaneers. So, just goes to show you. There you are. So, yeah, that's the, the drafty feel. So, Jake, what we're going to do now is we're going to move on. Um, and we are going to do uh, a segment that we haven't done since last year. Probably around this time last year, because that makes sense. And it is... And now it's time for Stupid Early Predictions. Yes, Stupid Early Predictions. So, Jake, uh, last year, I made a prediction, just the one, that um, Carson Wentz was going to make a Pro Bowl. And he didn't... Ooh. He, he did like milk. He, yeah, he didn't make a Pro Bowl. Um, it was it was not a good it was not a good uh, stupid early prediction for me. So this year, um, I'm going with top predictions for top uh, passer, rusher, and receiver. Uh, just yards. Who gets the most yep. yards? Yep. Yep. You with me? Nice right. straightforward. I'm going to go first. I'll give you mine, and then you give me yours, and then passers, okay. and then rushers, and then receivers. So my top passer, I'm playing it nice and safe. I'm taking my homes. I, I, I can't see anyone, can't see anyone passing my homes uh, more, more yards than him. I th- In fact, I think he might have his best season passing this year, which sounds ridiculous, but Patrick Mahomes is a ridiculous guy. And I think if anyone's going to challenge um, Peyton Manning's record, uh, which, uh, let's be honest here, it's basically Drew Brees' record, isn't it? Uh, For passing yards in a season. Um, I think it's Patrick Mahomes. I reckon he goes way, way over 5,000 this year. Way over 5,500. I reckon he does. And I think he just explodes. I think if anyone... Do you know what? I'm doubling down. Patrick Mahomes this year 
Throws for over 6,000 yards. Oh, that's a bold prediction. That's I a like it. stupid early prediction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not that it's stupidly early. It's just stupid and it's early. <laughs> so that's my stupid early. Combines. So, so top, yeah. So top passer, Patrick Mahomes, doubling down over 6,000 yards this season. Jake, who have you got? Top passer, 2023. I have not gone safe, but I'll give you a reason why. I've got got a bit of information on each of my guys. So, top passer, I am going Trevor Lawrence. He finished last year ninth with 4,113 yards. Mm -hmm. He had the second largest increase in passer rating from a quarterback in year one to year two. He went up 23.3 points. Only Terry Bradshaw improved more from year one to year two. And now add Calvin Ridley, along with another year with Doug Peterson and an already solid receiving core. They've, they've kept all the kind of weapons, Etienne's there, Evan Ingram's back, they've got Christian Kirk, they've got Zay Jones. It is set up for Trevor Lawrence to have a monster year, break 5,000, league the lead in passing. Mm. I like it. I like it a lot. Second biggest jump from year one to year two since Ted, Teddy Bradshaw. Well, sorry, the yeah, biggest. He's since, the second. Biggest since Teddy Bradshaw. He, wow. Yeah, the biggest. He's the second like largest increase in passer rating. Full stop. Only Terry Bradshaw has improved more from year one to year two. Yeah, I like it. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Actually, see now that I'm thinking about it, I've gone Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I forget that he plays the Broncos twice a year. Uh, this also came into it, you know, they get to play the Titans twice, they get to play the Colts twice, they get to play the Texans twice. I mean, mm. it's all set up to help Trevor Lawrence continue to mm. go on his star trajectory to the moon. It is. Stop, I'm sticking with my guns. Sticking with my guns. Okay, so, um, top rusher. Mm. Once again, you could argue I'm playing it safe here. Um, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey, San Francisco 49ers, to lead the league in rushing. And because I'm doubling down again, because I have to do it, because it's Christian McCaffrey, leads all running backs and receiving as well. I say Christian McCaffrey goes for over 3,000 total yards from scrimmage this year. I'm a believer. I like how you start off by playing it safe, you know, okay, this is a good, and then just to really, like, you know what, just to make it stupid. To make it interesting, you've got to make it interesting. You gotta make it interesting because I'm sure that Vegas agrees with me and Mahomes and you know, ah, yeah, he's gonna lead the league and pass. I've gotta make it interesting. So McCaffrey I respect it. McCaffrey will get more than three thousand scrimmage yards this year. Three I don't even know if that's ever been done before. I don't think so. I know a few people have a, a, a thousand and a thousand, you know, Roger Craig and yeah. Uh, you know, um, Marshall Falk and guys like that. I don't, I don't know. Do you know what? I'm going to look it up. I wonder what. Take, take your guess, Jake. What is the most yards from scrimmage in NFL history? What do you reckon? Most One yards year? from scrimmage. Uh, 2,649. 2,649. Let's have a look. Um, oh, I tell you what, you are not far off. Okay. 2509. Okay, I shot, I shot a bit over. Chris Johnson 
in mm-hmm. CJ2K. CJ2K went for uh, 2006 rushing yards and 503 receiving yards. Okay. Christian McCaffrey is third on that list. In 2019, he had 1,387 rushing yards and 1,005 receiving yards. Yeah, it's only him, Marshall Falk, and Roger Craig who've done the 1,000. Thousand thousand. Mm. So there you are. What do you think of that? Oh, we, we just mentioned earlier the, the quarterback situation at the 49ers. They, uh, a key to success with that defense is keep Christian McCaffrey healthy. Use a Shanahan run scheme and run Christian McCaffrey like mad. Um, help your quarterback. You know, if it is yeah. Sam Donald, help him out. Yeah. You know, you've got a great option out the backfield. Why not Christian McCaffrey? Absolutely. There you go. So that's what I'm going to. Jake, what have you got? Top Russia 2023. Who have you got? Well, we could both fail miserably with injury histories. Christian McCaffrey, injury history. Mm-hmm. I've gone Saquon Barkley, injury history. He finished fourth last year with 1,312 yards. Uh, they've improved their offensive line. Uh, they do have a tough schedule, which could go one of two ways. To me, it should mean that the Giants lean more heavily on the run, especially early. Uh, if he can stay and more importantly if the Giants sort out his contract because I believe he's currently away from the team um, with contract kind of disputes so this has uh, got the caveat of hopefully they, they sort out the, the contract issue um, so Saquon Barkley if he can stay healthy if the Giants pay him why not go for it yeah why not go for it Saquon Barkley I love it Jake we then come to receivers Top receiver of 2023. I'm throwing a spanner in the works. Yes, I am. That spanner's getting thrown right in there. Top receiver will not be a receiver. It will be a tight end. And his name, of course, is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is... I've already got my homes going for 6,000 yards. Those yards have got to go somewhere. Uh, Those yards are going somewhere. I'm so tempted to double down on this one. (laughs) I'm tempted. I'm not going to. I'm not, I was tempted. I was thinking of my home stores for six. How much is Kelsey getting? At least a third of that is going to Kelsey. I was, I want to see a third. <laughs> I want it, but I'm not going to. I see he comes up just shy. I see Travis Kelsey goes for over 1,800 receiving yards and leads the league in receiving yards in 2023. Um, I just think I, this is what year, what is this? You're seven for Kelsey now? I could see you're seven. He played yeah, with Alex more. Smith. He's been around a while. He's been around a while. No one's ever figured out how to stop this guy. And just when you think they've figured out how to stop him, no one can stop him. He did it again in the Super Bowl. So always seems to get two, three yards of separation. I don't know how he does it. And he's, he's just faster than he looks. He's bigger and stronger than he should be. So I'm seeing Travis Kelsey leads the league in receiving yards in 2023. Jake, I wonder if a tight end has ever done that. I has a tight end ever led the league in receiving? Sure, I would be surprised. Surely not. Surely I mean, not. I think in peak Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham, but surely they've. I know Gronkowski led. definitely led the league in. Um, 
batches. T- t- touchdowns one year. Oh, touchdowns. Oh, yeah, that makes, that makes yeah. sense, big buddy. He, I think he had like 18 receiving touchdowns or something one year. I'm, sh- I'm sure he did. I, I, I could be wrong about the number there. I'm sure he did. I'm going to look up year by year. If I can just have a quick scan through um, over the past Does few anybody years. anybody jump? anyone jumps there. Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, Rudy Wayne, Chad Johnson. A lot of Johnsons. A lot of Johnsons. So many Johnsons. Good grief, what's going on here? Um, Marvin Harrison, Tony Holt, Robert Isaac Bruce. I don't think so. No, just some just the scrolling down. Oh, do you know, I didn't even think about that. Going back to Mackie. <laughs> How far do you want to go? John Mackie, where far are we going here? <laughs> um, I don't see any names that are immediately jumping out at me, but that doesn't mean to say it's never happened. So I'm going to have to actually Google it. I need to Google it. Um, and everybody knows Google is 1,000% accurate. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's ask an AI. Has a <laughs> tight end ever led the league in receiving yards? Um, no. No. But so. in 2011, Rob Gronkowski became the first tight end to lead the league in touchdown receptions. So a wealth of knowledge. Did. The most receiving yards in a season ever by a tight end is Travis Kelsey. 1416 oh. in 2020. Actually, do you know what? I, I should have come with Mark Andrews. <laughs> mm. Just looking at that. <laughs> in 2021, he had 1361, third most ever. Oh, right, listen. Bonus random stats here, Jake, before before you give me your receipt. Bonus. Bonus. Early random stats. I'm going to give you the top. Uh, I'm going to do the top 12. Top mm-hmm. 12. Receiving tight end seasons in NFL history. And the reason I'm giving you 12 is because number 12, Jimmy Graham, 2013, New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Number Mm -hmm. 11, Travis Kelsey, 2019. Number 10, Todd Christensen of the Raiders in 1983. Wow. Then uh, number nine, Tony Gonzalez, 2004, of course. Number eight, Kellen Winslow, 1980. San Diego no, Chargers. Yes. 2011. Uh, sorry, we're, we're moving uh, up again. Number seven, Jimmy Graham in 2011. Hey. In that same season, Rob Gronkowski, 2011. Uh, he had 17 more, more yards than Jimmy Graham. Is a sixth catch. He had a catch. Sixth all time. <laughs> um, he actually had nine fewer. Oh. And that was the year he productive. had 17 touchdowns. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, then at number five, 2018, Travis Kelsey. At number four, 2022, Travis Kelsey. At number three, 2021, Mark Andrews. Number two, 2018, George Kittle. Number one, 2020, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey has three of the top five receiving seasons of all time. Yardage um, of, of for tight ends. I mean, it's another guy. I know that he's uh, he benefits from having Patrick Mahomes there. I get that. But when Travis Kelsey retires, he's walking into the Hall of Fame. All said and done, he's going to swan dance into uh, the yes, he Hampton is. Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. So I, I'm taking, to get all the way back around to where I was. <laughs> Sorry. Travis Kelsey will lead the league in receiving in 2023. He'll become the first tight end to ever do it. 
Yeah, you got very the Winterfell podcast without a bit of a tangent. Absolutely. So, Jake, who's going to lead the league in receiving 2023? Who you got? Well, I've gone with a, a gentleman that missed four games last year. So he finished 17th with 1,046 yards in 2022. Goes by the name of Jamar Chase. So he missed times with injuries, but when on the field was his usual dominant self. When Joe Burrow throws to Chase, it generates a 112.4 passer rating, which rises to 118.2 in the playoffs. And he's got a lovely one-two punch with T. Higgins. So it's not just getting all the attention. They've still got to worry about T. Higgins. So they can't triple coverage from our chase. And that's why he's going to lead the league. Did you say that whenever Burrow targets Chase, he's got a rating of 112? Mm-hmm. 112.4. And goes up to 118 in the playoffs. 118.2 in the playoffs. So when it matters most... Why would you sort of anyone improves. else? <laughs> Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Because T. Higgins is a very good second wide receiver. And Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. is a fantastic receiver as well. They've really got it going on in Cincinnati, don't they? Blessed. That could be a terrifying offense. If they stay so that, that does hurt me, that there is other options. You know, you've got you go the, the Bills with Stefan. Yeah, the Bills got, you know, Stefan Diggs and not much else. Or, you know, one of these teams, Devontae Adams and not much else. I'm going with Jamal Chase, bearing in mind they do have, you know, a good core behind him, but I think the connection he's got with Joey B will be enough to, to get him a to was, magic number. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes, like, do you remember when he was drafted? And people were saying, oh, you know, he's, he's got chemistry with Joe Burrow because they played mm-hmm. together. And and I'll be honest, I wasn't buying into that. I was like, I, I get that they know each other, but, you know, this is the NFL. It makes a difference. It really didn't. <laughs> it really didn't. Jamar Chase came in and immediately exploded. And was immediately Joe Burrow's favourite target. And uh, you could be onto something there. You could be onto something there. I don't know why I keep doubling down on my on my guys. I'm happy enough with my not not particularly safe or nailed on predictions, but no, no uh, caveats or extras. I just... I'll tell you... Here's I'll t- the facts... I, I honestly believe I've got more chance of getting all three right this year than I did getting one right last year. Sorry, Carson. Yeah, you did. You backed the wrong horse last year, that's for sure. <laughs> I really did. I really did. So, Jake, uh, we're just about coming to the end of the podcast. Uh, another short one. Um, and we've got time for one more segment. It's everyone's favourite segment, apart from when Jake's hot takes is on. And it is, of course, Random Stats. Random stats. So uh, I'll go first, Jake. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Yeah. Now, um, I'm going to give you a stat here. That concerns your team, actually. Ooh. It does. It I'm does, listening. It does. Now, we've been talking about quarterbacks. Um, and obviously, you, your team has two of the most famous quarterbacks of all time play for you, you know. You had Archie Manning, uh, and of course, uh, Billy Joe Tolliver. Yes, of course. <laughs> no, Billy Joe, not to be confused with Billy Joel. Uh, Billy Joe, uh, no. Um, Drew Brees, of course, and this concerns Drew Brees because, as you know, and uh, you know, as everyone knows, Drew Brees has had like five thousand yard seasons five times in his career, six times, more than anybody else. Um, I think only. 
Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady have had multiple 5,000-yard seasons apart from um, Drew Brees. Uh, I, I could be wrong. I know, I know Mahomes has. But anyway, it got me thinking. Who has had the most 400-yard games in the regular season? Because when I, I remember when I was watching uh, the NFL in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, um, and it seemed like, for example, in, in the 90s, that Warren Moon, uh, Brett Favre, and Steve Young were throwing for 400 yards every single week. That's what it felt like. Now, obviously, it wasn't the case. Because if they did throw for 400 yards in every single game, that would be an awful lot of game, uh, a lot of yards. Uh, in fact, in fact, Jake, I wonder how many that would be. I'm going to work with it. Well, that, well, that would have been if they'd thrown for 400. 100 yards in every game. I have my calculator. 400 times 16 at the time would have been 6,400 yards. Obviously, no one's ever done that. <laughs> right? I think the um, the highest was three. Was it 330, I think, when Peyton Manning did his? Anyway, point is, who's had the most career 400-yard passing regular season games? Well, Warren Moon, as it turns out, had seven in his entire career. It's a lot less than I thought. Joe Montana had seven. Carson Palmer, eight. Tied with Kirk Cousins. Up at nine, Rodgers, Eli Manning, Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott all have nine in their careers. Up to ten, Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford is the highest of all active players with ten. Boom. Boom. We then have to go up one. You'll notice the in incremental going up, up one, uh, to 11, Philip Rivers. You go up to 12, Ben Roethlisberger. Once you hit 13, number 13 himself, Dan Marino. Tied for second place, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning with 14 each. And wouldn't you know it, sitting at the top, and not just one more, but two more than anyone else who's ever played this game, Drew Brees has had 16 400-yard games. And I'm going to give you, because he's thrown 16, this is what a season would have looked like if all these games had happened in one season. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Drew Brees in those 16 games would have gone 541 for 758 which is a 71.4 percentage completion. He'd have averaged 9.3 yards per attempt, 438.6 yards per game, 52 touchdowns, just 11 interceptions, would have been sacked 21 times and would have thrown a total of 7,017 yards. Almost 1,000 yards more than the next highest, which is Tom Brady at 6,053. With a rating 117. So Drew Brees has played 16 games where he has thrown 400 or more yards, more than anyone else in history, two more than anyone else in history. The next uh, closest active player is Matthew Stafford with 10. And then you've got Dak Prescott Mahomes uh, at nine, tied at 9. And that is my random stat. Lovely. There's one that surprises me there. Lower than I thought, maybe. Lower than some people thought. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, nine. Mm -hmm. Tied with Eli Manning. Yeah. 
When you look at some of the te- people around him on the same level above him, you think Aaron Rodgers, you know. Yeah. Now, as we go be down, pushing double digits, he still could push double digits. He, he could, he could. He just needs one to hit ten to, to hit double digits. One four hundred yard game. Now, uh, as you go further down the list, I, I stopped on Montana and Moon who tied in seven. But as you go down on tied in six, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matt Ryan, Drew Bledsoe, and Dan Fouts. And then rounding out with five, uh, three players and five. Matt Schaub. I don't know where he came from, but he's there. <laughs> Tony Romo and Joe Burrow on five. Who be? Yeah. There are two other players who've done it at five. Uh, Dave Craig, who played with the Seattle Seahawks for many years, and Sonny Jurgensen, who I believe played for Washington and Philadelphia back in the 70s, 60s, 70s. Josh Allen has four. But that's way lower than I would have expected. Because, as I say, when I, when I watched the NFL, especially in the 90s, it seemed like Bre- Brett Favre isn't even on this list. A gunslinger. Yeah. And yet it felt like he was thrown for 400 yards every single game. It just, it just felt like it. But no, not even, not even five. Less than five. I don't know how many he's actually had, but uh, definitely less than five. So there you go. Drew Brees, um, just shattering records. He, there's some records he's going to hold for a long, long time. In fact, do you remember, Jake, just before we'd gone to your runners, I apologize. Do you remember at the beginning of last year, mm-hmm. we were talking about the most consecutive games with a touchdown pass? Yep. And Kirk and Cousins the was. had the active streak. Yeah. Um, the most consecutive games with a touchdown pass. There we go. Um, is, of course, I mean, Drew Brees holds a record. 54. I mean, behave yourself. 54. It's just insane. And then he had another one of 45. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk Cousins has ended on the 20th of November at 39. So if we see who is the current... Oh, no, no nobody. No, nobody. No, nobody. We've got a while. We've got a Drew long comfortable way for to a, go. For a, co- a good couple of seasons from the sounds of it. Because if you go all the way down to 26, tied 26... Um, they all ended in, in the 2000s. Um, Philip Rivers in 2010. Justin Herbert's ended on the 17th of October 2022. He had 25. Uh, it doesn't appear that anybody is even... Got, no one has more than 22 games with a consecutive touchdown oh, pass. He's safe for two seasons at least. And Drew Brees has one of 45 from 2012 to 2015 and one of 54 2009 to 2012. That's just bonkers. Drew Brees is one of the best to ever do it. I don't need to tell you that. So there you go, Jake. Uh, Always love a bit of Drew Brees appreciation. Definitely. Well, you have to, don't you? You've got to appreciate him. Great player, great man. Yes, indeed. So, Jake, talk to me. What have you got for your random stat this week? Well, this week I'm focusing on a particular person. Um, some 
or many will know him as an award-winning sports broadcaster. Some will know him as a three-time Pro Bowl receiver for the Bengals. He played in two Super Bowls, won NFL Rookie of the Year in 1981. But do you know, as a freshman at Florida, Anthony Chris Collinsworth threw a 99-yard touchdown pass to Derek Gaffney in his first game, which remains tied for the longest touchdown pass in NCAA history. No, I did not. Exactly. What an incredibly versatile player Anthony Chris Collinsworth was. He played quarterback. He played running back. He played wide receiver. He returned kickoffs. And in that first year, he even broke his hand, strapped it up, and played DB with a cast on his hand. The man did it all. He certainly did. I had no idea. Yeah, so he. everyone knows him as a sports broadcaster now. Of course, yes. Um, he often talks about his time as a wide receiver, mm-hmm. played with the Bengals, 81-28, one-man team, say, three-time Pro Bowler, Rookie of the Year, all-rookie team, three-time second all-pro. Um, but when I looked into his college career, it, it was incredible. So as a freshman... In his first game against Rice, throws a record th- uh, longest touchdown pass. Chris Collinsworth. Sorry, Anthony Chris Collinsworth. Anthony Chris Collinsworth. There you go. Lovely. What a, what a distinguished gentleman. What a great athlete. Ahead of his time, maybe. Very good receiver. Very mm-hmm. good receiver. Very solid receiver. One yeah. man. We, we always appreciate a, one, uh, a gentleman that finishes his career with, with one team. That's much to be respected. Oh, definitely. That's a, that's a, a sweet spot for me and you. We, we, we love a bit of loyalty from uh, both the team and the player. We do. We, we do like that. Oh, now, coming from a Broncos fan, that sounds a bit, what? Hang on. <laughs> it's like neither of your fans were drafted by the, uh, your quarterbacks were drafted by the organization. I, I get that. <laughs> I mean, Drew Brees wasn't either, so... Uh, Drew, Drew Brees wasn't either, but, you know, he played the rest of his career with, with the, the Saints, obviously. And uh, the only reason that Pete Manning left... Pete Manning didn't want to leave Indianapolis. No. The only reason he did was because they knew they were going to get Andrew Luck. That, that he had a it. bum neck and he was no good. He can't throw a ball. He can't won't throw. do it. You, you, you All his it. seven touchdowns week one. Yeah, on you go, Pete. <laughs> you can't do anything. How about 55 touchdowns in one season? <laughs> That, that first game, he's just sat there going, oh, we made a mistake. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope Andrew Luck is great. And he was. He was Andrew still. Luck was uh, such a tragic story. Uh, and Andrew Luck was phenomenal. It's it's gutting that he, he'll never be in the Hall of Fame. We know that because he didn't, no. he didn't do anything. Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, guys like... Um, Terrell Davis, you know, he won two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP and broke records left, right, and center. Underlook didn't do that. He had a short career, played incredibly well in a short career, but he got the absolute, you know, snot beaten out of him for six years or whatever it was, and then just, I can't do this anymore, called it a day. Um, if he'd been on a, a, a better team, then I, I think highly likely he would have ended up in the Hall of Fame. If he'd gone to the Steelers, uh, Cowboys, then he'd walk into the Hall of Fame because that's just what happens with those teams. I don't know. Uh, but if he'd gone to any other team with the Colts, just it, it wasn't it wasn't good for him. Uh, and it's a shame 
Symphony Underlock. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I like loyalty. Loyalty from, from players and uh, playing a player. And teams, it works two ways. Teams aren't always loyal to That's their very, goalbacks very or their, all their players. Very, very true. And we see that, unfortunately, we see that too often. And players are just getting dealt left, right, and center. And, and they treat them like um, poker chips. It is like, business. It's a business. And of course, it's a business. But the business is the game. And to play that game, you need players. And how many times have we said it? The two best available, the two best abilities are availability and reliability. And that's when if you've got someone, Amen. if you've got someone who's reliable and available, you hang on to them. And I, I hate, um, obviously, with the the the, the, the quarterback um, contracts that have been coming out recently. Every time it happens, someone's like, "Well, what's Mahomes going to do? Will he test free agency? Why? Why would he? Why would Mahomes do that?" You know, personally, I want him out of the AFC West. I'll be happy if he goes to Arizona. That's great. That's fantastic. I would love that. But on the other hand, I don't want him to do that because he's a great player and I want him to stick with one team because I have more respect for players who do that. Uh, and as you rightly say, I have more respect for uh, the organizations who try and help their players do that. I, I also respect the organizations who aren't doing very well um, and let players go because, you know, like veterans. Yep. Let them go. Go get your ring. Go get your ring. Um, it's, some teams do that, and I have I have no issues with that whatsoever. Absolutely none. When Von Miller went to the, the Rams, I was heartbroken. Of course, he was one of my favorite players ever for the team. But he went to a Super Bowl contending team straight away, made them better, uh, and they won a Super Bowl. You got another ring. Great. Good for you. Good for you. And then he's gone to the Bills. And if the Bills won a Super Bowl and Von Miller gets a third ring, great. Fantastic. I, I, I don't mind that. Uh, J.J. Watt going to the Cardinals, that didn't work out. But there's a player who suffered for a long time on the Houston Texans. A long, long time. Um, and threw his heart and soul into it. And along with, as we said just a couple of weeks ago, along with Andre Johnson the best player that that organization has ever produced jj watt so yeah i i i, I get that um why jj watt left although i wouldn't have gone to arizona <laughs> it's just like mm. he wanted to go there i think but i don't know the texans deporting to the cardinals has not worked out for jj watt or deandre hopkins really it's it's not been a happy happy home no it hasn't it hasn't. Uh, and I've got a horrible feeling. Uh, well, a little bit. Maybe, thinks it's a horrible feeling. Uh, it's not going to work out for Aaron Rodgers or the Jets. It's oh, it horrible feeling. You you would be beside yourself, so upset. You, you know what I mean. <laughs> the bad thing is, if it doesn't work out, it's all bloody here about, so buckle up. Well, a lot of people sort of compare it to the, the, the Tom Brady situation and that's unfair to Aaron Rodgers to do that because that Bucks team was loaded with all pros yeah it was set up I mean for success you, I mean I, I could have won a couple of games under center for that team you know 
you had all pro wide receivers and all pro tight end, you had all pro offensive line, you had all pro running back, you had all pro uh, linemen and defenders and linebackers. I mean, it was like stacked. You, you really could not get more talent on one team in free agency than that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. The fact that they lost any games at all is beyond me. Embarrassing. Uh, it's absolute. Absolutely. The fact that we swept on 4 nothing in the regular season. That embarrassing. Was, that was pure humiliation. Did they win the only game that mattered in the postseason? That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You, you swept a team that was top to bottom all pros. Like an all-star team. That's what it was. It was an all-star team. You had Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski, and Dominican Sue, and Chris Godwin. Uh, and at the time, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the big tight end, uh, the other one, uh, Cameron Braid, was playing out of his mind at the time. You know? Like I say, that offensive line was beefy. Huge. Huge. And, and the, the, actually, one of the, one of the biggest, best things they did was uh, Tristan Worf's. The, the the left mm-hmm. tackle. Oh, what a what a find in the draft. Fan, he's proved to be one of the best young linemen in the entire NFL. So yeah, embarrassment riches. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that in in New York. Oh, he just got his, he's got the same weapons basically. He's like, yeah. Oh, we're going to you going to a different team? Bring me the same mediocre yeah. middle of the pack guys. Devontae Adams. No, 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 just. Just Lazard and my other guys. Randall Cobb, he's got to be about 42, but hey, he can still catch a ball. It's just Anyone try, Has anybody heard from Jordy Nelson still? Are we, tri- are we still trying to phone a farm in Kansas City trying to get hold of Jordy Nelson? He'll be there somewhere. He'll be there somewhere. It's it's not the same. People need to stop stop saying, oh, it's just like Tom Brady going to Tampa. It's nothing like Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. Nothing like it. Just it, two totally different things. It, I, I Tom, don't. Yeah, Tom Brady, the ultimate team player, taking lesser deals because he knows it builds teams, uh, and then the greatest prima donna of our time in Aaron Rodgers, who's all about number one. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see I, how it works out. I, I, I've had this conversation with you and earlier this week. Um, we were talking about Joe Burrow, and obviously his contract extension is, is coming up. Mm-hmm. Why players? I mean. If you are all about money, I absolutely respect that. But most of these quarterbacks talk about legacy and wanting to be, you know, the go and one of the best. And there is a clear formula. Be smart. Tom Brady took less of money than he could have. He, he still handsomely got paid. Yes, his wife was, you know, rich as well. But he took less money than he could have to mean he had a better team. And it worked. Yeah. He, if, you know, Patrick Mahomes is underpaid. Yes, the man earns $50 million. He is underpaid for what he is. This is how you win. If you go and give me, you know, give me the absolute max money, Kirk Cousins, um, <laughs> the team isn't going to be that amazing around you. And like, I absolutely respect if that is what you want. You want a financial stability for your kids and your kids' kids. Amen. Do that. But if you want to talk about legacy and having the best possible career, Joe Burrow, my humble opinion, should be thinking, okay. I've got great chemistry with Jamal Chase. He's going to be up for a contract soon. I don't want to eat all the pie and then them go, well, we're really happy to keep you, but we can't keep you and Chase. And we can't keep you and X person. So we have to let them go. So well, yeah. take a little bit less money. We already we already mentioned the Bengals. That's a perfect example. We already mentioned they've got T. Higgins. They've got Jamal Chase. 
They've got Tyler Boyd. They've got Joe Mixon. They've got Joe Burrow. And you can't pay everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you can. But you can't pay everyone top what they top deserve, you know, dollar the top what they deserve. Jamar Chase, uh, when his contract thingy comes up, should say, I want to be paid as much as the next best, uh, you know, the, the top guy in the NFL. Because if they pay him, if, if he asks for that and they tell him, you're not worth that, then they're lying to themselves. Well, the Bengals are going to be crying when Justin Jefferson gets his deal. Jamar Chase is going to go, hey, I'm next. Uh, exactly. You know, bang on. Bang on. Justin Jefferson gets paid $35 million a year for the next five years. And they're like, what in God's name are you paying? Well, yeah, you could argue he's the best receiver in the entire league. So pay the man. And when it comes to Jamar Chase, he'll be like, yeah, where's mine? I want the same as him. I want the same as that guy. Because you couldn't, you know, when we talk about, you know, who's the best running back, quarterback, receiver and that, when you talk about the best receivers, you do talk about Justin Jefferson. You do talk about Jamar Chase. You do talk about Devontae Adams. These guys are, are at the absolute top. They're the top. They're the, the guys. You can put them in any order you like. Once you get to that sort of top three, top five, it doesn't matter. They're basically all the same. Pay them what they are due. And in order to do that, you cannot have your quarterback holding the team to ransom. Because we, we know the quarterback is going to get paid the most money. Everyone knows this. It's not a case of, um, oh, you know, we, 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 we can only afford to pay $10 million to our quarterback because our, you know, our punters on $30 million. That's, that's never <laughs> happened. It's, you know... Never happens. It's never going to happen. We know this. It's the other way around. Well, we'd give all our money to the quarterback, so we're having to get rid of our left tackle. We're having to trade uh, our second-place wide receiver. We're getting rid of our best pass rusher. We're getting rid of our safety. We're getting rid of all because of the quarterback. This happens time and time again. We see it every year. This year will be no different unless the actual player and the agent sit down and say, I know I'm great. You know I'm great. I just want enough money to be happy and keep the other guys. And we can win games mm-hmm. and hopefully Super Bowls. There we are. You know, we, we said this about Mahomes weeks ago. The, the Chiefs should just literally sit him down and say, we know you're the best in the league. We get that. Everyone knows. We just can't afford to pay you more than anyone has ever been paid in the history of this game. And keep Travis Kelsey. And keep that defense and keep, you know, I'm saying Pacheco. I know he's a seventh rounder on a rookie deal, but you know what I mean? It's. It, I mean, look at their offensive line. I mean, they keep splashing money there because yeah. they can. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes at any point could storm into the Chiefs front office and say, listen, 50 million, I, you know, I want 60. And the Chiefs can't go, no, you don't deserve that because he does deserve he it. Does, well, yeah, he because- doesn't go into that office. And and the thing is, the Chiefs will know he'd get it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because if, 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 if they said, we're not paying you 60 million, he'd be like, fine, I'll go to, uh, I don't know, Dallas. Any team. Yeah, yeah <laughs> literally any team. But I'm just thinking of one, you know, like a rich, you know, a big rich organization. The, the Cowboys, he goes, I will just go to the team that has the most cap space and I'll eat half of it. And they will give it to me. Because I'm the best in the league by a mile. Now the Chiefs are like, oh no, we're not paying you that. That would never happen. He needs to be sensible. He needs to be sensible. I, I, I think he is sensible. I keep saying it. I keep saying it. I don't think Mahomes is stupid. 
I really hope he's not. I don't think he is. I hope he's not. Because if he continues the, to play the way he's playing and the Chiefs are smart, there's nothing, literally nothing, that I can see stopping them winning the next two Super Bowls on the bounds, be the first team to win three in a row. If they can stay healthy, be smart, and Mahomes continues to play the way that he's been playing. There's nothing to stop them. At no point did, did, did I think the Chiefs were not going to win that Super Bowl against the Eagles. At no point. The Eagles have no chance in this game. And, you know, I, you could argue fortunately, unfortunately, I was proved right in that. And, and he wasn't at full strength. Let's not forget, he was playing injured in that game. It's it's insane. So yeah. Anyway, right. We went from Chris Collins. How did we end up here? How did we end up here? Chris Collins were throwing a ninety-nine yard touchdown pass in college to discussing Mahomes' contract again. It hasn't even been mentioned. <laughs> Every it all comes week. back to Mahomes. It does. This is all Brock Osweiler's fault. I'm still raging about that. Turning down. And hey, if Brock Osweiler Again, lesson learned. If he had taken what two million less was two it? million less to be the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos with and the a no great fly team. zone, the, the greatest defense in years, best defense in a decade that the NFL seen. Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, C. Janderson was playing pretty well at the time. You've been on the you've been on the team for three, four years. Been studying under Peyton Manning. You should have been studying under Peyton Manning. Clearly, by the way, he played in Houston and Miami. He wasn't. <laughs> I, I mean, literally, do you want the keys to a Ferrari? Nah. I don't want that. I'd rather sell the Ferrari and drive around in, in you know, on a bicycle and have a big water cash. Okay, fair enough. The, my, my logic would be you take two million less with the, the Broncos for, what, two, three years. You play absolutely lights out because you've got great offensive weapons. You've got a star-studded defense to, to carry you to victory back to guess the playoffs. what guess what you'll get another contract yeah you take two million extra you go stink the joint out in texans and you're never seen in the nfl again joe, well, flacco, joe flacco made like 120 million by playing well in two poor seasons yeah <laughs> i mean like <laughs> carried by a defense and i tried to make the point that he was an elite quarterback and nobody ever played. oh that 2012 that, that run in 2012. Now, you look at Joe Flacco's stat line in that 2012 postseason. It's really good. It's a really good stat line. If you watch the games, he was all right. I mean, it, it, you know, it took Raheem Moore completely, completely misjudging a throw and, and jumping five yards early. Homie Jones. Jones. Uh, it took like three or four kick returns in that postseason. Jacoby Jones. <laughs> it's like, Jacoby Jones just got paid, not Joe Flacco. <laughs> Jacoby Jones deserved Flacco's money. He's like, I, I won that Super Bowl for you guys. I'm the one who won the AFC Championship game. I'm the one who won the Super Bowl. It wasn't this guy. It was me. Did he not take a, a kickoff for a touchdown in the Super Bowl against Fortnite? Mm-hmm. Jacoby Jones. Where's his money? It all. Oh, they couldn't afford to pay him because he got all the joke Flacco. Oh, let's sign him for another six, 500 million extension. What are you doing? Elliot Joe Flacco, get out of here for that. Anyway, sorry, we're going again. Jared, Jake, we've gone way over. 
Way over. You did. Uh, about 40 minutes ago, you said, oh, it's quite a short podcast. We just got random stats, and then we've really... 45 minutes really of gone back stats. on ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, really. And neither of our stats are actually stat. particularly long. <laughs> nope. Uh, and on that bombshell, we are going to end it there. So, um... Thanks very much to everyone for listening. Uh, obviously, I've not been uploading to YouTube for a while because I've been doing things. I've got we've got loads of stuff for me to upload to YouTube. We've got hours and hours of stuff to, to actually upload now from the past couple of podcasts. Um, you can find, don't forget, you can find us on Twitter at the WinFL Show. You can find myself, you can find Jake, you can find Dave, you can find Tim on uh, Twitter. Uh, we are going to be getting some more guests in. We're going to be doing a deep dive over the next few weeks. We're going to start doing the deep dives into every single division in the NFL in a lead-up to kickoff. I believe, Jake, it is now 99 days. Oh, oh double um, digits. It's, it's, I think it is today. It was 100 today. No, 99 days today until kickoff. Thursday Night Football. 99 days. Longest 99 days of all time. Oh my word! Um, so yeah, we, we've got all that to look forward to. Um, and once again, if you want to suggest a random stat, feel free to hit us up on Twitter and do that. Get, send us a wee message, and we'll give you a shout out as well. Jake, thank you very much for joining me again this week. No problem. The pleasure is all mine. That's what I like to hear. And thank you for joining us. And we will catch you on next week's edition of the NFL Show.